Hey friends, my name's Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. Welcome. Today I want to talk about two things. I want to answer a few email questions regarding my episode last week about draconian rules and not exasperating our children to anger. And I also want to talk about how do we talk to our kids about school shootings. It's a topic that I didn't want to talk about, but I feel like it's necessary. Let's kick it off. This is the Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so let's talk about last week's episode for a minute, and then I'm going to talk about a topic that I wish I didn't have to talk about, but I do believe that there is benefit to it, and that topic is school shootings. And I'm also going to address that because some of the people who wrote me about last week's topics were like, don't you think that a lack of discipline is the reason that we have so many school shootings? And the answer is no. Uh, I, I Well, yes, I, I believe that a lack of discipline in the parents to discipline themselves is probably a, a large contributor to school shootings. But the first thing I want to address is I got a lot of emails, a lot of questions. People even reach out in person like, hey, listen to your episode. And I'm a little confused about what it means to exasperate my children to anger because like any rule I have, they get angry. Are you saying I shouldn't have any rules? I want to be really clear. I am not saying that you shouldn't have any rules. I am saying that you should have rules that go through that four that four question filter, right? Like what's the point of the rule? And your rules shouldn't be about soothing your own discomfort with your child's behavior. They should be about shaping that child into the adult that you want them to be. And where this becomes complicated and where I got a lot of emails was with the schools. Like I even was talking to a friend of mine. He was like, well, I'm okay with the cell phone ban. You got through school okay without a phone. Yeah, Okay, that's true. I also know people who got through school being beat every day or going hungry every day. And they're okay as adults. Is that the method? Like, is that really the metric that we ha- want to have is, well, okay, this person went through it and it's okay. And, and here's the thing. His daughter got in the conversation. And she was like, yeah, but those five people are really bad. Yeah, but here's the problem with group punishment. You disincentivize the people who are, are obeying, right? So so his daughter's 16 and or maybe 17, I don't know. She just started dating uh, and, and driving. And I said to her, I said, okay, well, fine. There are 16-year-olds that misuse vehicles all the time in just our county. Forget the country, just our county. There are 16-year-olds that misuse cars all the time. So therefore, give your license back to your mom and dad. Give your keys to your car back to your mom and dad. You're not allowed to drive anymore. Or, and this is the argument you hear for all sorts of things, well, they do it. And the problem is, here's, here's the, the problem. We've, we've redefined the word fair, which I hate. I, I am on record. Fair is a place where you pay people to pet pigs. It's, it's not a life goal. And so one of the things that we've done is in order to be fair, we can't punish these five kids without punishing everybody. That's not logical. It's not effective. And it's it, it's it's actually worse than not effective. It's counter-effective. And that's what I was trying to go after last week. The Whatever rules we set up, we need to be humble enough to realize that whatever rules we have, and especially how we enforce them or intervene in contrary to the rules behavior with our kids 
could be wrong. We need to evaluate it. And it needs to be something, there needs to be a better evaluation stick than, hey, well, my dad did it to me and I turned out all right. That's just the dumbest argument. And then two, it needs to be better than, well, it felt good. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people, that's their metric. Well, well, it felt right. Like, yeah, sure, she's mad at me or he's mad at me. And, you know, I don't really like that part, but, but the, the decision felt good. You don't buy a car just because it feels good, right? Oh, well, yeah, it's got 800,000 miles on it, and the body's rusted out, uh, and the tires aren't very good, and it doesn't start probably nine times out of ten. And, uh, yeah, so this this stupid little blue book here says that it's worth, you know, $300. But but I really feel like it's worth $2,000. No one would do, nobody would thinking would do that. And what, what the reason you wouldn't do that is because the cost of buying that car is more than it's worth. And so what happens is when we do interventions, when we have rules that we, that we compress around our kids without thinking through what is the point of the rule, we don't, then we're not measuring what's the cost of the rule. And that's where we want to get. What's the cost of the rule? What's the cost of how I'm enforcing this rule? And that's really important. So like one of the questions that I ask schools all the time, okay, zero tolerance policies. What's the cost of those? How do you know if that's a good cost? Or this obsession with fair, what's the cost of it? Right? This idea that, well, okay, we can only, because these five kids did something, we have to punish the whole class. What's the cost of that? What does that cost you? And, and most people don't spend time thinking that through. When you lose your mind and scream at your kids because they broke a rule, what's the cost to you? When you don't listen to your kids at least and ask them, okay, so I don't want you to have XYZ app and you do. Why do you want it and what's the benefit and the cost to you? You don't do those things because probably you're not doing them for your own decisions. And I think that's the cord that I'm willing to hit. That's the bear that I'm willing to poke nonstop. So one person asked me, she was like, well, my husband will wrestle with my son and he's three. And when they're wrestling, uh, you know, sometimes my son, uh, Jack, will, he'll start screaming. Obviously not his real name. He'll start screaming and hollering and or kicking and just throws a temper tantrum. Okay, well, one, he's three, right? So he doesn't have a lot of vocabulary to express his frustration, but you need to teach him. So I don't think that rest, in fact, actually, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that fathers wrestling with their children is very healthy, can, can have many, many benefits. Uh, look, at the, look up the book, The Art of Roughhousing, uh, written by a U of M professor. Uh, right, right. So, but what you do have to do is teach him like, hey, buddy, when, when you're frustrated that daddy's holding you down, you need to use these words. Where I think it would go rogue is if because he's losing his mind, you lose your mind. I tell parents all the time, if you don't like the way your children are talking to you, ask yourself how you talk to them, how you talk to each other, and how do you talk about people you disagree with? So specifically to all my pro-vaccine friends, if you don't like the way your kids are talking to you, I want you to listen to how you talk about people that are anti-vax. To all my anti-vax friends, if you don't like the way your kids are talking to you, I want you to think about how and listen to how you talk about the people that are pro-vax. Because your kids are observing you. They're internalizing what you do, and then they're going to externalize it back to you. And if you don't like it, it's 
very likely, not completely 100%, but very likely that most of the things that you don't like are a reflection of you. And again, this isn't all or any, all or nothing, so not everything, right? There are things that, but there are things my kids do, I'm like, oh, that's right from me. And so we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of our emotional response and how our emotions might be driving how we're setting rules and how we're enforcing those rules. Okay, and now we're going to kind of transition here. People wrote in, a lot of people wrote in and they asked me like, hey, what about school shooters? Why aren't you talking about that? And to be honest, I wasn't talking about because I don't really want to. Um, I, I don't know that this is a great medium to talk about things with such highly charged emotions. However, I do think it's important that we talk about how do we talk to our kids about school shootings, right? So there's two things here that we want to talk about. What, what do you do if you're a parent of a child that you think could be a school shooter? Well, you need to take that serious. You see drawings, you see journal entries, you hear conversations, you see Snapchat stories that concern you. You need to take that serious. You need to get them into therapy right away. You need to report it to the authorities and, and, and navigate that as best you can. Start, start moving forward with helping your child. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my podcast, on this podcast, talking about a, a, the, the idea of, of, of why do we have school shooters. I'm not. Uh, it's just too emotionally charged, and I just don't think this is a good medium for that. Which then does leave, what do you tell your kids if you're a parent of a child who either A, their school was a, a shot, was a victim of a school shooting or, or their, your child was a victim of a school shooting. Because, right, the, the students that were there, uh, even if they're not shot, they're still victims of the violence. And, and so how do you talk to your kids? Or how do you talk to your kids like here in my own state of Michigan – on the east side of the state, there was a shooting. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. As a parent, there are very few days when I drop my kids off that I don't think, dear Lord, don't let there be a school shooting here today. There just isn't. And so how do we talk to our kids about how they survive, how they function in a world of school shootings? I'm not interested in having a political discussion. I'm not interested in having a discussion about the Second Amendment. Not over this. If you want to do that in person, uh, I love good coffee or, or good tea and happy to sit down and have that conversation then if I know you. If not, I probably won't have it with you, to be honest. All right, my ADHD is running a little bit here. But I, I want to ask, like, okay, how do we talk? So the first thing we do is you need to be talking to your kids about how they feel. How do they feel? What are their emotions? What are the things that are running? What are the things that are running inside of them? And this is a conversation where you're not going to have a lot of solutions. You're really not going to have a lot of, of there's not a lot, right? Because we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. And there's not going to be a way to fix this in this conversation. And I think as parents, it's really important that you understand that. Just just sit in their emotions with them. Allow them if they're afraid. If they don't say, I don't think about it much, I'd probably push on that a little bit. But there's certainly going to be a percentage of students that just to take the approach of, eh, it wasn't my school. I'm not going to think about it. And if that's their approach, so be it. Uh, you know, but you do want to check in with their emotions. And it's, it's a conversation that may not happen eye to eye. It's really important that you, that you manage your own emotions in the conversation, that you manage your tone, your body language, 
try to be as neutral as possible and just ask them how are they feeling in regards to everything that's going on how you know how do you feel about these things like well, how has that affected you one of the hard realities of life is that there are many things that affect us in a negative way that we don't have a lot of control over so spend time talking to your kids about how do you feel about what's going on in the country in the world like like how do you feel that this shooting like for people if you live here in Michigan you might want to ask your kids you know how do you feel about the school shooting that you heard about in Oxford and just ask them like is it affecting your learning? Like we don't learn well when we're under high distress. By nature, most people do not learn well when they're under high distress. So, so how do you handle being in high distress? One of the things that's beneficial is talk to someone. And you can be that someone for them to talk to by asking them questions. And here's the big temptation is often when, when I talk to teens, one of the things that frustrates them when their parents ask them about their emotions is that when they answer, the parents then either try to tell them why they shouldn't feel that way or they the kids feel like they're being dismissed, their emotions are being dismissed because they'll tell the parent, well, you know, I'm scared. And then the parent will be like, well, you shouldn't be scared because we have these measures in place. That's not helpful to the child. So rather than, than dismissing or diminishing the emotions that they're feeling, I would encourage you to just be an empathetic listener. And so when they're like, hey, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling scared. Honestly, just saying, you know, you're scared over, like, what would you need? How could you reflect that to them so that it might move the conversation forward a little bit? One of the things you could say is, okay, so you're, you're scared because you don't feel like you can control it. Or tell me more about being afraid. Like, th 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 those three words, tell me more, are amazing words to help facilitate conversation. But, and I cannot emphasize that but enough, but... Under no circumstances should you tell them that they should not feel that way. So if they're afraid, if they're angry, whatever their emotion is, do not say, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way because. Do not say that. Do not say that. Listen, be empathetic, reflect back to them both what they're saying and the emotions that are coming with it. And sometimes parents ask me like, hey, should I ask my kids if they think there's a school shooter in their, in their grade? Yeah, absolutely ask them. Just because they think there is doesn't mean you need to necessarily report it to the principal. But if they're like, yeah, I think so-and-so, like he kind of scares me. Okay, why? Ask why. Tell me more about that. What, what is it that, that this person's doing that you feel is unsafe? And then, of course, you will have to make a decision on what you do with the information. And if it is information that needs to be reported, you need to report it. The goal here is to sit with your children in whatever emotion it is that they're experiencing. And yes, I do think at some point you have to have a conversation about strategies. I have conversations with my kids all the time. A number of years ago, my kids were going to a, uh, a large event, a large church, like multi-church event down in Indianapolis. And I'm guessing five years ago now, because I think my oldest was a freshman in high school. And the question that I asked at the parent meeting was, is there any active shooter training for the kids? Like, hey, do this, because being in a hotel. And the answer was no. In fact, as far as I, I got a, a really upset email from somebody uh, about it. I also, um, I, I know that there was some people who were like, oh, I can't believe he'd asked that. And somebody said, oh, you shouldn't have the spirit of fear, which is just the dumbest argument in the world to me. I shouldn't have the spirit of fear. That's not actually the spirit of fear or a spirit of fear. 
Like when people say that, I'm always like, well, wait, do you wear a seatbelt? Do you wear shoes? Right? Because really you wear shoes to protect your feet from all the things that, that could go wrong with them when, when you're wearing them. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's an argument that not only is illogical, it actually borders in, in the asinine and, and stupid categories. And, and so I talk to my kids about what to do in, in, in an active shooting. I don't know if they'll remember it if, it, if it ever actually happens. I hope that it doesn't. And I talk to my kids about that. Like, hey, if your door has a, has a closer, like an arm closer that you can see, take a belt and wrap it around the arm closer, not the door, the, the, the closer for the door, the door closer, because that will keep it from being able to be open until you know it's safe. And so by having the conversation with your children, there's two goals. You want to hear their emotions. You want to validate those emotions. You want them to be reminded that you are a person that they can talk to and converse with about their emotions, even if their emotions are negative, even if their emotions are scary, even if their emotions are big, you want them to talk to you. We won't be able to fix every wrong in our children's world. We can't fix every wrong in our world. But we can be there for our kids to be able to express themselves, to have conversations, to express opinions we may or may not agree with. And when you start to talk to your kid about, hey, how, tell me about how the school shootings are going on. One of the things that you have to be aware of is you have to manage your own emotions. You have to master your own emotions and not let them get in the way of your child feeling heard. And so when they say, I'm scared, you don't want your children to be scared. You can even say, I'm sorry that you're afraid. That I feel badly about that. And just sit and listen. Sometimes it's best to just sit and not say anything. Just let them talk. At some point, we have to move to strategies. I believe those strategies should deal with what do you do if there is an active shooter? And we pray that that day never comes. And at the same time, what do you do? And then also the strategy of how do you deal with the anxiety and the stress that comes with bullies in your school, that comes with uh, like stupid programs that don't actually address bullies. And, and then how do you deal with the stress of when I go to school, sometimes I'm creeped out by this person or I feel like this person doesn't understand boundaries or this like start talking to your children about those and not everything you throw at the uh, at the uh, not every idea Goodness, imagine if I could talk. Imagine if I talked for a living. Not every idea that you throw at them will actually be helpful. But you certainly talk strategy. Ask them, what are your ideas? How are you finding good ways to navigate your anxiety, your distress, over the stress that's happening? You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing to listen and be uncomfortable. That's the biggest thing. Kids just want you to listen and sit there in your uncomfortableness. You don't have to offer them solutions. Now, if they ask, offer, or even, hey, what do you think about this solution? But you don't have to have those because there are problems that we're going to face in all of our lives where we don't have solutions. We just have problems. And we need to overcome them or work around them. Okay, hopefully this was helpful to you. Hopefully I answered the questions about last week. Hopefully I answered uh, some questions about how to talk to your kids about what's going on with the school shootings. Uh, even as I'm recording this, a friend of mine uh, put on his Facebook that his daughter's school was released early because there was a shooting there today. Uh, no one was injured. Like, it's, it is a time to be concerned. It is a time to have deep conversations with your children, and those conversations might involve just sitting in the distress of it. If you like this episode, please share it with three of your friends. One of the things that we all need is to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And when we share helpful things that we encounter, that's one of the ways that we can engage things that are bigger than ourselves. 
Uh, looking forward to the end of the year, to be honest with you. I'm looking forward to 2022. Uh, a lot of plans for 2022 that we're working on. Hopefully some things that will involve you and give you outlets. Uh, with COVID running the way it is, we have, we have put a pause to a lot of things that we are about to unpause. And so we are excited about that. Uh, men, I am excited that we are working towards some sort of mentoring program uh, that will cost money. I want you to know that. I think sometimes we want benefits without paying, and that isn't how it works. Um, so there is that. Uh, there probably will be an episode next week. There will not be an episode the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, no episode that week. So thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.